DiscerningHearts.com and the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study presents Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Sharon Doran, along with her husband Steve, are founders of the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study, whose mission is to actively seek truth and raise up disciples for our Lord Jesus Christ through an in-depth Catholic Bible study. Sharon, who holds two master's degrees in education and in pastoral theology with an emphasis in sacred scripture, is an experienced Bible study teacher for over a decade. She has a passion for scripture that motivates and challenges her students to immerse themselves in God's Word and apply His message to their everyday lives. We now begin the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study with Sharon Doran. Hi, everyone. Sharon Doran bringing you a new series on the Synoptic Gospels through DiscerningHearts.com. I'm so excited to be here. When we're covering the Synoptic Gospels, the Synoptics see together. It's St. Matthew, St. Mark, and St. Luke's Gospel. And it's a new kind of kingdom, the kingdom of God, different than what the world expected. From the beginning of time, God planned to send his son, Jesus, to be the savior of the world. And the story of Jesus is the story of the Synoptics. On this lecture, I hope to give you an overview, an outline of God's plan of salvation that the synoptics will cover, beginning in the Old Testament with the fall in the Garden of Eden and culminating with the life, death, resurrection, and ascension into glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just hearing this story alone is not enough. We have to enter into the story and live the story. The church exists in order to evangelize, and we are called to spread this gospel message to our own culture in our own time, which is in desperate need of good news and truth. Truth is not something that's relative to something else. Truth is truth. Truth does not change. Hebrews 13.8 tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus Christ is truth, and he's a person. He's our Savior, and this truth is exactly what God has been revealing to us since he created us. God has his own pedagogy. Now, that's just a fancy word for the way God teaches us. God teaches us in his words, and he also teaches us through his deeds. So his words and deeds act together, his actions and his words over hundreds and hundreds of years of revelation. I love how the catechism tells us that at number 53. It says the divine plan of revelation is realized simultaneously by deeds and words, which are intrinsically bound up with each other and shed light on each other. It involves a specific divine pedagogy. God communicates himself to man gradually. He prepares him to welcome by stages the supernatural revelation that is to culminate in the person and mission of the incarnate word himself, Jesus Christ. St. Irenaeus of Lyon repeatedly speaks of this divine pedagogy using the image of God and man becoming accustomed to one another. The word of God dwelt in man and became the son of man in order to accustom man to perceive God and to accustom God to dwell in man according to the father's pleasure. God has a solution to man's problem of sin because the wages of sin is death. But God sent Jesus to give life, that we might live to the absolute fullest. 
in fact, eternal, forever, without end life, abundant life. So please join us now for part one of our lecture of the Synoptic Gospels, the overview from Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study, complimentsofdiscerninghearts.com. Welcome to Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study. We are so glad you're joining us this evening for our overview of the Synoptic Gospels. How lucky are we that this is the year of faith. Pope Benedict has declared this right now, the year of faith. It starts in October, ends in November of this year. Benedict has declared a year of faith, which will begin on October 11th. Why October 11th? So I looked up what, what saints have a feast day on October 11th. Is that why they're starting it on October 11th? Because the church always has a reason. That is the day Vatican II started, on October 11th. And this is the 50th anniversary of Vatican II, and it opened on October 11th, 1962. Now, why would Mother Church open on that day? And this is how John the 23rd opened it, with a prayer to Mary, God's Virgin Mother, on this feast day of her noble motherhood, give it her gracious protection. So I had a hint. It's a feast day of Mary. So I looked. Marian feast day. What Marian feast day is on October 11th? Nothing in my Magnificat. (laughs) But it was in 1962. October 11th was the feast of the Queenship of Mary. And since then, Pope Pius XII started that feast day. And since then, it was moved by Pope Paul VI to August 22nd. So the calendar has changed But at the time of Vatican II, it was the queenship of Mary that day. Interesting. And why it starts on the queenship of Mary, and why does it end on November 24th of 213? Because the church always has a reason. So I looked up all the saints on on November 24th, surely one of these great saints. No, it's another feast day. And it's the feast of the solemnity of Christ the King. So it starts on the queenship of Mary and ends on the kingship of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a new type of kingdom. There's a new king and there's a queen mother. And it's not like any other kingdom. In the ancient Near Eastern kingdoms, the queen mother always served the king as, and the subjects of the kingdom as a counselor, an advocate, and an intercessor. This is Queen Bathsheba. You'll remember her. This is Queen Mary. She's a wonderful counselor, a wonderful advocate, and a wonderful intercessor. King Solomon, the son of David, had a mother, Bathsheba. And in 1 Kings 2, when Bathsheba went to speak to King Solomon, her son, she went on behalf of Adonijah, one of the subjects. The king stood up to meet her and bowed down to her. The king bowed down to her and sat down on his throne. And he had a throne brought in for his mother. King Solomon had a throne brought in for his mother, and she sat down at his right hand. Interesting. She said, I have one small request to make of you. Do not refuse me. And the king replied, make it my mother. I will not refuse you. King Solomon was very, very wise. God gave him more wisdom than all the sands of the seashore. King Jesus is wisdom itself. He is wisdom And Queen Mother Mary is the seat of wisdom. That's what we call her in the church, the seat of wisdom. Wisdom came through Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mary is a good Queen Mother. Like a good mother, she will bathe her children with the water that is the river of life, the Holy Spirit. It was in the garden all along in Genesis. Like a good mother, she will feed her children eternal food from the tree of life, Jesus Christ himself. She stood at the foot of the cross 
and a spear pierced his side and out came a flow of blood, the Eucharist and water. And the queen mother stood there faithfully. She didn't leave his side. This doesn't look like a kingdom we would expect. This is a new kingdom with a new king and a new queen mother. Luke, one of the synoptic authors, when he's telling the angel comes to Mary and tells her she's going to be impregnated by the power of the Holy Spirit, he will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him a throne. This is a kingdom. He will give him a throne of his father David, and he will reign. That's what a king does. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. This is going to be an eternal kingdom, a kingdom that has no end. Matthew is another synoptic gospel. And he talks many times about the kingdom of heaven, over 30 times in his gospel. It's the main central theme, the kingdom. It is a claim that God the Father is now working through the Messiah to establish his will on earth as it is in heaven. This is a new kind of kingdom, not a kingdom the world recognizes, not really kind of throne you want to have or the royal robes that you want to wear. It's a new kind of kingdom. We are so very blessed to be at Seeking Truth this year in the year of faith. Pope Benedict says, It will be a moment of grace and commitment to a more complete conversion to God, to strengthen our faith in him and to proclaim him with joy to the people of our time. What a wonderful time to be in a Bible study. Because seeds will be sown this year by the master sower himself, Jesus Christ. He is the word. The Synoptic Gospels will be wonderful to be studying, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, because they see together. That's what synoptic means. They see together. I love this picture. It's on our website. The three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, see together. John's gazing off in the distance with a big eagle above his head. John is a different bird. All together. Love John. Our church put special preeminence on the Gospels at Mass. There's an Old Testament reading, Sunday, to start the Mass, then the Psalm, then the New Testament Scripture, and then the Gospel. And the Gospel's the most special thing. Sometimes there's incense at the time of the Gospel, and all the people stand up, and we sing, Alleluia, before the Gospel starts. And it must be read by an ordained minister, a deacon, or a priest, because it's special. The Gospels are the heart of all the Scriptures, because they are our principal source for life and teaching of the incarnate word, our Savior, Jesus Christ himself, is at the center of the Gospels. Now, we've heard a lot about a new evangelization. There's a new evangelization. Did you know that? There's a new evangelization. It's new. <laughs> the new evangelization, according to John Paul II, is not a matter of merely passing on doctrine, but rather of a personal and profound meeting with the Savior. Seeking truth. Truth has a name. Guess what his name is? Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. When we seek Jesus, we seek truth. When we seek truth, we seek Jesus. That's what we're doing this year. We're going to have a personal and profound meeting and encounter with the Savior himself, truth himself. The message is always the same. A clear proclamation that in Jesus Christ, salvation is offered to all men as a gift of God's grace and mercy. The message hasn't changed, but maybe there are new ways to deliver the message. Pope Benedict says the new evangelization calls each of us to deepen our faith, to believe in the gospel, and to go forth and proclaim the gospel. Well, before we can believe and proclaim it, we got to know it. And that's why we're here in Bible study, to learn the word so we can believe it and so we can proclaim it, so we can grasp it. We want to grasp God's word because this word is like no other word. This word is living and active. 
It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and joints. The, 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 it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It's a living word. It's alive. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That's a powerful word. God spoke the word, and the word was made flesh and made his dwelling among us. Through the body of a young 13, 14, 15-year-old Jewish girl who said, Be it done unto me according to your word. And the word was made alive in Mary's body. The word is alive in us. In us. The word is alive. That same word is alive in you and you and you and you and you and me. How? How? Because Jesus said in John's gospel, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. He lives with you and will be in you. And you and you and you and you. And he tells them before he ascends back to the Father, go into all the world and preach the gospel, the word. Preach it to all creation. Preach the word. Preach Jesus. Tell others about me. The focus of the new evangelization calls all Catholics to be evangelized and to go forth and evangelize. All of us. Nobody's off the hook. The reason the church exists is to evangelize. That's what Paul VI said. The reason the church exists is to evangelize. Pope Benedict called for the re-proposing of the gospel to regions waiting the first evangelization, little jungles in Zimbabwe and people who've never heard the gospel. There's a few of those pockets left. But he says, go to the regions where the roots of Christianity are deep, but who have experienced a serious crisis of faith due to secularization. Where's that? He says it's a crisis, a crisis. I looked up the Greek for crisis. It's an event that is or expected to lead an unstable or dangerous situation affecting the individual, group, community, or the whole society. We're in a crisis, the Pope says. It's a testing time. It's a time of emergency, a serious crisis of faith due to secularization. I looked up secularization. What's that? It's the transformation of a society from close identification with religious values and institutions toward non-religious or irreligious values and secular institutions. With secularization, religion loses its authority in all aspects of social life and governance. Hmm. Ralph Martin says there is a radical collapse of Christian culture in the world today. Peter Herbeck says humanity is losing its bearings, its direction, because it's walking in the dark. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Why do men prefer to walk in darkness? Groping around, stumbling. Why? We'll return to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran in just a moment. If your heart's seeking truth, then consider joining the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study found at seekingtruth.net. 
Distant learners from around the world are participating in programs that are designed so that the individual can progress at their own pace. Teaching director Sharon Doran uses two to three hundred visual images with each lecture to enhance learning with transcendent beauty. At SeekingTruth.net, you can also find out how to bring Seeking Truth to your own parish or group setting by becoming a Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study satellite class. All are welcomed at SeekingTruth.net. If you have ever wanted to know more about the Bible, here is your chance. Please come and study Scripture with the community at SeekingTruth.net. Litany of Humility O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, Hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised, Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes, Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated, Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten, Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed, Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged, Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected, Deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I, that others may be esteemed more than I. That in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease. That others may be chosen and I set aside. That others may be praised and I unnoticed. That others may be preferred to me in everything. That others may become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should. Jesus, Grant me the grace to desire it. Amen. Taken from the Dialogue of St. Catherine of Siena The Eternal Father speaks to Catherine. My truth invited you to call out thus when he said, Call, and you will be answered. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. Ask, and it shall be given to you. So I am telling you what I want you to do. Never relax your desire to ask for my help. Never lower your voice in crying out to me to be merciful to the world. Never stop knocking at the door of my truth by following his footsteps. Find your delight with him on the cross by feeding on souls for the glory and praise of my name. Heavenly Father, your glory is in your saints. We praise your glory in the life of the admirable St. Catherine of Siena, Virgin and Doctor of the Church. Her whole life 
was a noble sacrifice inspired by an ardent love of Jesus, your unblemished lamb. In troubled times, she strenuously upheld the rights of his beloved spouse, the church. Father, honor her merits and hear her prayers for each of us. Help us to pass unscathed through the corruption of this world and to remain unshakably faithful to the church in word, deed, and example. Amen. St. Catherine of Siena, pray for us. We now return to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Here's a campaign going on right now. There's no God, now stop worrying and enjoy your life. It's a big campaign in Britain and New Zealand by humanists and secularists. In the beginning, man created God. There's no God. Stop worrying, enjoy your life. We're all atheists about most gods. Some of us just go one God further, like those people at Seeking Truth. Don't believe in God? Join the club. There's one of these at 72nd and Pacific Street. They just got taken down, I think. 37 million Americans, no miss when they see them. Poseidon, Jesus Christ. What do you see? Santa Claus, the devil? This was in response to Jesus is the reason for the season in New Jersey on a billboard. You know it's a myth. This season, celebrate reason. Are you good without God? Millions are. I can be good without God. Student atheist. Here's a campaign for children. Please don't label me. Let me grow up and choose for myself. Richard Dawkins just kicked this off. For children who are being labeled as Catholic or Methodist or Lutheran, why do we label children at such a young age? We need to encourage people to think carefully before they label any child too young. This is dangerous for their psyche. But our first pope, Peter, said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, full of the Holy Spirit. He said, This is for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and this is for you and for your children. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. When we baptize, we bring our babies for baptism. And the priest says, I claim you for Christ, the Savior, by the sight of the cross. Something happens to us at baptism. There's an infusion. These are oils that are soaked in like rosemary or thyme. And and the oil, the olive oil, is infused with the herb. It takes on the flavor. These are vodkas. This is mixology. These vodkas... (laughs) are taking on like the cucumber essence or the jalapeno essence for a good martini. At baptism, there is an infusion of the Holy Spirit on your soul. There's a permanent, indelible seal of the Holy Spirit. He is infused into your body. He lives in you. He indwells you. Jesus said to Nicodemus, if you remember from John 3, that the kingdom of God, unless you're born of water and the Spirit... Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth. And when the priest says, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, this is our Christian baptism in the powerful name of the triune God. He said, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. And he did at Pentecost, as he promised, and poured himself out onto us. God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us, and those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. We have divine sonship and daughtership by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
We are to be led by the Spirit, to walk with the Spirit. That's exactly what Jesus modeled for us. Full of the Holy Spirit, after his baptism, he returned to the Jordan and was led out into the desert by the Spirit. Did he want to go into the desert? I don't know, but he was led by the Spirit, so he was obedient. And then when he came back out in that same chapter in Luke, he goes to the synagogue and he unrolls the scroll and he reads Isaiah 61 and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. And they were all astonished and amazed. Why? Because they'd never heard Isaiah 61 before? No, they heard it all the time. But it was happening. It was being fulfilled in front of their eyes and by the power of the Holy Spirit, they knew it. We too must be led by the Spirit. He's alive. He lives in us. And we are too are to be anointed and to preach the good news to the poor. We're not to keep this to ourselves. You are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Paul says, necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe to me. Death to me if I do not preach the gospel. Some people like to say, well, you know the saying, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. Not in this culture. Pope Paul VI told us to the laity in an apostolic letter in 1965, there are innumerable opportunities open to the laity to exercise their apostolate of evangelization and sanctification. The very testimony of their Christian life and good works done in the supernatural spirit and the power to draw, has the power to draw men to belief in God. So he says, let your light shine by, by what you do, the works that you do. However, I love when the Pope says, however, an apostolate of this kind does not consist only in the witness of one's way of life. A true apostle, you want to be a true apostle? A true apostle looks for opportunities to announce Christ by words. Who are you going to tell at work tomorrow? <laughs> I'm in this new really good book club. We, a true apostle, looks for ways to announce with words. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. This is Sharon Doran signing off for now, but thank you so much for joining us today. This was the first part of our overview of the Synoptic Gospels. Next time, part two, we'll introduce someone we all need to be aware of, especially today, especially in our culture. Satan will be introduced next time and the continuation of the overview of the Synoptic Gospels. In the meantime, sit with your Bible. In a quiet chair, read Luke chapter 1 and ask the Holy Spirit, our divine teacher, our divine inspiration, who actually breathes the Word of God. Ask Him to open your mind and your heart what He might have for you in His sacred Word that is living and active. Always remember, when you're seeking truth, you're seeking a person. You're seeking Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Keep seeking truth. He's waiting to be found. You've been listening to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. To hear and or to download this episode, along with many others, go to discerninghearts.com. To learn how you can become a participant, either online or in a classroom setting of the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study, go to seekingtruth.net. 
This has been a production of DiscerningHearts.com and the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study. Join us next time for Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran.